Welcome to Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is Tuesday, September 27th. I'm your host, AJ Mastretta, and I'm joined once again today by Partnership Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. In this episode, we're talking about the labor market. Why are there many more available jobs than it seems workers that are able to fill them? And what does this mean for our economy in the short and long term? Patrick, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Joy, I always have a great fun talking with you about the economy. Awesome, awesome. Well, Patrick, to start off with, can you catch us up to speed on what has happened to U.S. and local employment over the last two years? Real quick snapshot. Uh, We lost 22 million jobs in March and April of 2020. Uh, We recovered all those jobs as of August of this year. Uh, We've recovered 22.2 million, so we're a little ahead of that. A little bit of a challenge, we recovered half of those losses in the first six months, but the other half of those losses, it took us almost two years to recover. But the U.S. has recovered all the jobs it lost. Houston, roughly 360,000 jobs lost. Uh, We've since added back over 440,000. Uh, we actually recovered quicker than the rest of the U.S. Rest of the U.S. We got all our jobs back by April of this year, and this year we've been going great guns. The Houston has added 96,000 jobs so far this year. I know we've talked about that, but I just let people know that the economy is really strong right now in Houston. Great. So what is the status of the U.S. labor market? It's important to make the distinction, right, between uh, job totals and the labor market specifically. Yes, because when we're talking about labor market, I want to talk about the labor force, not necessarily the jobs. Uh, the labor force has finally gotten back to where it should be. We had roughly 164 million people in the labor force prior to the pandemic. We're back to 164 now, uh, but we're only maybe 100, 200,000 more people in the labor force than there were prior to that. And that's with a growing economy. If you want to look at it as far as the unemployment rate, the unemployment rate in August was 3.7%. That's up slightly from 3.5%, but anytime you get an unemployment rate below 5%, that's pretty tight. I mean, at the peak of the pandemic, the unemployment rate was 14.7. But more importantly, what I wanna tell you about the labor market is there's this concept out there called initial claims. People who are getting laid off, and so they're filing their first claim for unemployment benefits. Uh, that is actually down below pre-pandemic levels. And if you wanna mm. look at continued claims, those people who were, filing claims more than once because they're been out of work for several weeks. Those are also below pre-pandemic levels. So right now, which is no one's surprise, it's covered all the time and social media is covered in the traditional news. Uh, We have a very, very tight labor market right now. We have a very tight labor market and yet concerns over uh, inflation, concerns over the Fed's reaction to inflation is causing some folks to wonder, like, is, you know, there's, there seems to be a disparity here, right, uh, in terms of the labor need and kind of what other segments of the economy are doing. Is that fair? Yeah, right now, the, the tight labor market is one of the factors which is actually driving inflation. Uh, it's classic supply and demand. If you do not have enough workers, one of the ways you try to bring more workers into the market is by paying higher wages. It might not seem like much, but right now wages across the U.S. are up between five and six percent. Uh, we were looking at wage increases of only two to three percent prior to the pandemic, prior to the current surge. That five to six percent is still not enough when we're seeing inflation at double-digit rates. Maybe settled down just a little bit, but we've had such rampant inflation, uh, wage rates are not keeping up with it. So the economic recovery began 
over two years ago. Why has it taken so long for the labor market specifically to recover? That's a good question. That's a question economists and demographers are actually debating. Uh, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence or, or talks out there about how people have made lifestyle choices and they don't want to go back to work full time. Uh, there's uh, the discussion of people becoming gig workers and not wanting to be on a payroll. Mm. There's more people being self-employed. But those those are, are small numbers compared to a couple things, a couple studies that come out. The, the Pew Research did a study just recently released. And, and prior to the pandemic, we were seeing baby boomers retire at the rate of roughly 2 million baby boomers a year. During the height of the pandemic, we were seeing 3.2 million baby boomers retire a year. So there are people who are retired early, and we have the data on that. So they're not willing or able to come back into the workforce. Another thing, though, which hasn't gotten much play, and this is something that the Brookings Institution just released, uh, they did a study of, of people with long COVID. Uh, they looked at data sets, both European and U.S. data sets, and trying to find out what happened with people who have long COVID, COVID being people who are are, are just it just hangs on and it affects your ability to work. Right. Uh, the, the study from Brookings estimates there are probably about two and a half million people who are out of work because they have long COVID because it's like having chronic fatigue syndrome. They just cannot work or they cannot work full time. And not only are these people out of work, they're also people who are out of, who are having to take care of them. So if you add the early retirements, people might still be working and you add into the people who have long COVID and who aren't able to work, that's one thing which has prevented the labor force from recovering as quickly as we had hoped it would. Uh, And the challenge is, is COVID's going to be with us for a while. It's gone from being pandemic to endemic. So we're still going to be losing people to long COVID uh, for for years to come, unfortunately. So you're saying that an estimated two and a half million people are suffering with this, and perhaps those were workers that were active in the the job market uh, that really had just been taken out by this. Well, in, in the U.S. during the pandemic, we had 96 million people come down with COVID. Yeah. And if you only attribute 2% had really severe syndromes that prevented them from coming back to work, that gets your, your roughly your 2 million there. And yeah. so the, the Brookings Institution estimates at about 2.4, 2.5 million. So, so that's something. Another thing that we had an awful lot of deaths from COVID as well. Uh, we had a, roughly a million people die from COVID. Now, a lot of those people were, were older who weren't in the workforce, but we also lost uh, uh, probably several hundred thousand pe- people who could be working if, if they hadn't passed away. So it's been a combination of all these factors which have delayed the recovery of the workforce, which is the reason why we have so many job openings right now. One of the reasons we have so many job openings right now. So Patrick, how many job openings are there in the US right now? What's the estimate? Oh gosh, it's a big number, AJ. You ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, 11.3 million job openings. You know, kind of put that in perspective, Houston's population is 7.2 million. So it's like everybody in Houston and then half again. Um, let me put it another way. Prior to the pandemic, leading up to the pandemic, we might have about six and a half, maybe 7 million job openings. So we have 4 million job openings, at least more than we should have. Uh, these are positions that the Bureau of Labor Statistics has, has, has found by survey method and the companies are survey, they're actually saying that the position exists, work is available, the job could start within 30 days, it's funded, and the company's actively recruiting outside the organization to fill these. So these aren't phantom jobs. These are jobs that need to be filled. The, the challenge is we don't have enough people to fill them. Right now, there are roughly 6 million people unemployed. 
in the hmm. U.S. So you can just say it. And, and the challenge is that 6 million unemployed, they might not have the skill set. They might not be in the right geography, all sorts of reasons. So these elevated job openings are going to stay with us for a while unless the Federal Reserve does something about that. And I'm, I'm kind of, if you guys could see me, I'm smiling right now because we know that the Fed's trying to raise interest rates to slow down the economy. Let's hope it doesn't slow down so much that we see a cra crash in the job market. Yeah, that's always the risk. So to state the obvious, 11 million job openings, only 6 million unemployed workers, it's a pretty dramatic problem, right? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a huge problem. Uh, there are two things which drive your economy. One is investment and the other is labor. And if you don't have the labor, then you need to make up for it with investment. And with the Fed raising interest rates, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult to make that investment. But that's one thing which uh, controls your potential for growth is, is your labor force expanding and are you making investment? Right now, our labor force is, is hardly expanding at all. All right. Patrick, before we continue, I do want to take a moment to say thank you to our Bayou Business Download sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for making today's podcast possible. Learn more about Fifth Third Bank and the services they provide at 53.com. That's the numbers 53.com. So, Patrick, which industries are being affected most by this current labor shortage? Okay, we actually have some pretty good data on that at the national level, and I'll, I'll let you know. The one sector that is suffering the most right now is that broad sector called professional and business services. That tends to be white-collar work, roughly 2.1 million job openings there. Hmm. Follow that up. The other sector that's suffering uh, from a severe lack of, of labor or workers is healthcare and social assistance. That's 2 million job openings there. You go to accommodations and food service, basically hotels, restaurants, and bars, 1.3 million job openings. Manufacturing, over 800,000 job openings. There's not a sector right now that does not have an excess of job openings, but the sectors I just named are the ones where the job openings are most acute. Do you think, Patrick, that some of those industries and some of the, the specific jobs within them, um, people have moved on? Like if there are lower level, lower service level jobs, folks have found ways to make more money and to advance in other areas. Is that a potential reason for some of the migration out of those sectors? Oh, this is, this is definitely a seller's market in, in the sense that it's a lot easier to find a job now than it was even a year ago, two years ago. And so you're seeing companies, not companies, you're seeing individuals voting with their feet. They're moving on to, to an industry that pays better or an employer that pays better. So yes, they are definitely moving on. And that's one of the reasons why we're having these challenges. So could we see wages rise now that employers have so many jobs to fill? And what other effects might we see on our economy because of this dynamic? We're going to continue to see wages rise until the U.S. slips into a recession. And I'm not saying that we are going to slip into a recession, but if we slip into a recession, we'll definitely see a bit of a ceiling on, on wages. The mm. other thing we're going to see is a lot more automation enter into the business world. Uh, classic example is the restaurants I go to where I, I have an app and I order off the app and the server brings the food to my table. So I have no interaction with ordering. Uh, you, you see that right now in retail, whether it's a grocery store or a hardware store where you go and you check out your own groceries. You're going to start seeing even more in the construction industry built offsite in a factory and brought to the site for assembly. Uh, eventually, we talk about self-driving vehicles. We get self-driving vehicles replacing some uh, transportation trucking. So we're going to see a, a lot more automation out there as one way to deal with this. But that's kind of more of a longer term trend. All right. 
Patrick, any other factors that are contributing to this rather complicated dynamic and the, and the gulf between the jobs that are available and the workers available to fill them? One thing which we haven't touched upon too much is one of the ways that we have grown in Houston and in the U.S. is through immigration. Uh, we've had a number of people come in from overseas coming in wanting to work. Uh, we've tried to shut the borders down, but we've definitely eliminated or reduced the number of green cards. We issued half as many green cards last year as we did prior to the pandemic. That's a source of labor which is being uh, tamped down or shut down. So you know, it's, it's not any one factor. It's a combination of factors. One thing you'll probably see is maybe people staying in the workforce a little bit longer if they're offered that additional incentive pay. Uh, they may be forced to stay in the workforce because of what's happening in the stock market. You're seeing their 401k shrink. Hmm. And if they're on a fixed pension, when we see inflation at near double digits, they may have to find some part-time work to offset the lost purchasing power they had because of inflation. So it's not any one thing that caused it, and it's not any one thing that's going to solve it, but we are definitely going to see some shifts in workforce dynamics. All right. Patrick, I really appreciate you joining me for this chat today. Uh, AJ, this is one of the most fun things I do at the partnership. This and my TikTok videos. I'm so (laughs) glad to have a chance to talk to you about this. Absolutely. And please do check us out on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the social media platforms, uh, we we have a, a significant presence across the spectrum. All uh, right, and- AJ, you almost sounded like Santa Claus there, on Twitter, <laughs> on Facebook, <laughs> on Instagram, on web. All- All the things, all the things. (laughs) All right. And that's going to do it for this episode of Value Business Download. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so via your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. There you'll also find links to recent data and news updates, and you can learn how you can get more involved in the work of the partnership to make a difference in Houston. A special thanks again to our sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for helping make this podcast possible. And thanks again to you for listening to Bayou Business Download.